0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies.
2: Happy Friday, Options Action fans. We've got a big show lined up for you tonight. Here's what's on deck.
1: Looking forward to starting the holiday weekend by kicking back with a cold one? Professor Ko has your final libation examination. Then, don't party too hard or you'll wind up at the doctor's office. Tony Zhang already has one on speed dial, but for a totally different reason, of course. And finally... Carter's sobers us all up with the three R's reopening rates and REITs. It's time to risk less and make more options. Action starts right now.
2: Let's get right to it. The official reopening of summer is this weekend. While many will reach for a refreshing adult beverage, perhaps you should reach for a whole company that makes them first rounds on Carter Carter.
3: <laughs> right. So we're going to plunge right in with constellation brands, obviously uh, a uh, sort of adult beverage uh, manufacturer, if you will, popular beers uh, in hot weather like Modelo and Corona. Three charts, let's take a look. So what I have here, and it's very uh, straightforward, is uh, STZ just before the pandemic plunge, and you see that plunge, and then the recovery since. But I think the key uh, here is that we did have that 14% drop uh, this past March. And look where that stopped. It stopped to the penny at its pre-pandemic high. And then the uptrend resumed. Second chart is another way to draw the lines, which is to say we're working into the apex here of of an ascending uh, wedge for uh, one way to characterize it. Final chart, very simple. This is the up here, up close, one year STZ chart. And what you see, of course, is the authority of these tops that have been in effect since January. The stock has made no progress since January. And often the setup for a breakout is tight range bound trading uh, and then a move that exceeds the range. So STZ on the long side, we're buyers.
2: All right. Thanks for that, Carter. Mike, what's your poison or your trade? (laughs) Uh, my poison is
4: probably wine over beer, and they make some good ones in that category, too. Among the brands that they've got, they have Mount Veter, If you're a wine drinker, you probably know that one. Prisoner, Mondavi, uh those are among their wine brands as well. They have a vodka brand. And of course, they also have exposure to cannabis, which I think is kind of an interesting situation here, because we tend to think of companies like this as being sort of very slow and stable companies. If they are starting to see some growth though in areas like hard seltzer and increased market share in some of the beer brands that carter was just referencing pacifica uh, Modelo, and corona those all provide an opportunity for some potential growth as well and in fact actually we are expecting to see some pretty material eps growth and usually what you will see if you're anticipating good eps growth over the coming years is relatively high earnings multiples as well but what's interesting here is that they aren't particularly not when you compare it to its own history or to the market this thing is trading around 22, 23 times forward earnings obviously a very stable business there's growth potential in the cannabis trade they're growing market share all of those things look pretty good uh, it has a decent dividend as well that's going to play a little bit into the options trade we're going to discuss that this is not a stock that tends to move with a great deal of volatility The other thing I would point out is that when we take a look at the options that are available to us, obviously you're always going to have the first two months for us. That's uh, going to be June and July. There's actually a pretty big gap until the next expiration that's available. You have to go out uh, beyond Labor Day. So we're not quite to Memorial Day. You'd have to go beyond Labor Day to look at the longer-dated options. So what I was looking at was uh, a call spread in June, in July. And specifically what I was looking at was the July 240-260 call spread. When I was looking at that earlier, the 240 calls cost about $8.60. You could sell the 260s against it for 2 bucks. That's a net debit of $6.60 for a $20-wide call spread. Now, some folks may notice that that is a little bit more of the distance between the strikes than we would usually look to spend. We're often looking for payoffs of about 3 to 1. This one's a little bit better than 2 to 1. Uh, The reason for that is that that call that we're looking at is exactly at the money. Now, because this stock pays a chunky dividend, if the options expired beyond the next ex-dividend date, these don't, uh, then you'd have to concern yourself with that. And that's one of the reasons that I'm actually looking to July, rather than the 60 to 90 days to expiration, that I usually try to frame around Carter's technical thesis because I think that's usually the time horizon that he's looking at. But I think this is a way to uh, take a look at it. The other thing is they will be announcing uh, earnings relatively soon before this expiration. Company typically does quite well coming out of earnings historically.
2: It's a very good point on the dividend. Tony, what do you make of the trade and the stock?
5: Uh, I quite like this because, as Carter's charts point out, this stock is primed for that breakout above the $240 level. And then when you look at the business itself, uh, while the alcohol business is the primary part of the business, it's not particularly interesting from the perspective of the potential growth that we see from beer is likely going to be offset to some degree by the wine and spirits uh, side of the business that are starting to see some declines. But as Mike pointed out, the cannabis side, that's the most interesting part. 38% 38% exposure to Canopy, which has uh, the, uh, which is a stock that's up 20% in just the last two weeks alone, and recently just broke out above its 21-day moving average. I think Canopy is very interesting, and the fact that they own options to buy a fairly significant chunk of cannabis licenses through Acreage is I think the upside here for uh, Constellation Brands. And Mike's trade structure, the debit spread, I think it's a really smart way to play for a stock that's near a breakout level, but hasn't broken out just yet. Uh, Because you're risking here in his particular trade, less than 3% of the stock's value by trading a debit spread. And And if you do see the breakout, such as on earnings, you're getting paid about a two to one risk reward ratio on that. So it's a great way to limit your risk on a stock that hasn't broken out just yet.
2: All right. Well, from lots of alcohol to the doctor, but not in the usual way, Tony's taking a look at an e-health company that is coming off a a bender of its own, so to speak. Tony, which one are you looking at?
5: Uh, I'm looking at Teladoc, and I think we actually have a fairly rare opportunity right now to purchase Teladoc at a substantially lower valuation than what we have seen over the past year. Now, if we first start by taking a look at the chart itself, The chart is just downright ugly. The stock is down almost 60% in the last three months or so. But recently today, it just broke out above its 21-day moving average. And that's the first signal that perhaps this significant downtrend is coming to an end. And if we look at the business itself, it looks very solid. 80% of their business comes from reoccurring memberships, specifically from corporate sponsored plans. And they recently just launched employee-sponsored mental health plans, which is what's driven a lot of the growth here. 500% growth last year on these, uh, over 100% growth still expected, well over 100% growth expected this year on the mental health side of the business. So. If you look at, the, if you look at the, the, the stock itself, it's down 36% from the same time last year, but revenues are 87 time, 87% higher than the same time last year. So trading at what I think is a very compelling valuation with the technical lineup breaking out above that 21-day moving average, I think is an interesting time to take a look at Teladoc. So the trade structure I'm using is to try to acquire this stock uh, or try to uh, gain exposure to this stock over the long run, and I'm using a call diagonal. I'm going out to the June-October 155-170 call diagonal where I'm paying about $18 for the October 155 calls, and I'm collecting about $2.30 for the June 170 calls here, paying a net debit of about $15.70 for this call diagonal. It is risking about 10% of the stock's value, but it is a very volatile stock. And the goal here is to try to sell more calls against this through the July-August expirations to collect more premium to offset the cost of these relatively expensive calls going out to October.
2: want to go to Carter and get uh, your take, Carter, on the chart here.
3: Right. What, you know, the thing that Tony started with is really the opportunity, uh, which is to say this is so bad, it's good, right? I mean, you've had a bombed out situation. If you consider this, the, the stock dropped, it, it, what, it was 308 or thereabouts in February and hit 130 uh, two weeks ago. You're talking about a 58 percent decline. And what's interesting about that in the short history of the company, going back to its IPO in July of 2015. Um, Just two weeks ago, it was trading 35 percent below its 150-day moving average. That's exactly uh, where it was in 2016 and again in 2018. Both times it snapped back dramatically. It's a perfect instance of oversold.
2: All right. So, Mike, you have Carter's blessing on the charts. What do you make of Tony's trade? Yeah.
4: So I I think this is a very intelligent trade. We we often find ourselves with these dilemmas when you have a stock that you think is maybe becoming uh, interesting from a fundamental valuation standpoint, but has been very, very weak from a price action standpoint for some time. Trying to essentially catch the falling knife and say, okay, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and own it right here can be a challenge. But when you use a trade like this one, you're really reducing the risk. Now, he said that the risk is about 10 percent of the current stock price. But for a highly volatile stock, that really isn't such a great deal and the other interesting thing is just think about it like this if you believe that a stock is bottoming out but you don't know precisely when the rebound you anticipate is going to come this is a kind of trade that could work for you why because you're giving yourself a decent amount of time by buying that longer dated call and you're mitigating the decay of that option in the short term by selling a higher strike call and that i think is a really intelligent thing to do here because this is going to give him an opportunity to participate to the upside reduce some of that downside risk, collect some premium on expensive options. Of course, the only thing that would really uh, basically make this trade look a little bit less desirable is if the stock suddenly rebounded very, very violently very, very soon. But if we're anticipating basically a rebound that takes place over some period of time, this trade's the perfect setup.
2: All right. And remember out there, check out our website and our newsletter. You can sign up for it. In fact, here's what's coming up next.
1: Coming up, can't beat the REIT? Carter shows us why the sector is set to regain its leadership on the intersection of two other timely R words, reopening and rates. Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air. When Options Action returns.
2: Welcome back to Options Action. Carter is continuing our ongoing rates theme of sorts with REITs and why they are poised to exceed their pre-pandemic highs. Carter, take it away.
3: Sure. I mean, what we know, and we were, you all discussing it on, on FAST earlier earlier in the hour, that rates basically are stuck despite consensus just a month ago when we were hitting 17, that we were on our way to two. We are sitting here at 155, and not moving. And so... Uh, What looks good to my eye is the setup in REITs. Uh, Let's look at the charts. So we're going to look at the IYR, that's the iShares US real estate ETF. The first chart is a two panel. And the interesting thing here is, think about how many sectors and stocks have finally gotten back above their pre-pandemic level. You're talking about 70, 80% of the stocks in the S&P. But REITs as a sector, as a theme, are just now approaching the level before the plunge associated with COVID. You can see that on the top panel. That's the red line drawn. On the bottom panel is relative performance to the S&P 500. And what you see there and very clearly is a bottoming out formation. REITs are starting to outperform the S&P, second of three charts. Take a look at that same two panel going back instead of one year, but several years you can see the ongoing, unrelenting underperformance of REITs since the March pandemic bounce, low, and yet just now of late, starting to scallop out, carve out a bottom. As on an absolute basis, we sit there right at the high. So do we or don't we break out? Final chart, this is simply the IOIR over the last year. You again, you see the COVID plunge, and then it's March steadily higher, and it approached its former high a month or so ago, backed away, and now it's reapproaching it. That's a very good setup for the presumptive breakout. We like REITs long here, IYR.
2: All right. Well, Mike, you say that this is actually part of a larger teaching moment. What's your call to action here?
4: Yeah. So, I, you know, IYR is, a, is an interesting case because we're looking at a situation where it's a very low uh, volatility uh, ETF it pays a nice dividend so that makes it attractive to purchase. Uh, And of course when you have these low volatility situations you can find that options premia are quite low. Now a quick point about this as a REIT, some of the constituent stocks, you know if you're worried about something like office occupancy rates. This is fairly diversified. We are talking about residential rentals as well, like Avalon Bay. We're talking about things like public storage. We're talking about things like mobile uh, telecommunications towers. That was a little bit of a word salad I was just putting out there. But this is an interesting situation where it's fairly uh, diversified. Now, one of the things that you should look at when you're contemplating buying something right at an all-time high, of course, we had a recent uh, level right around ninety five, ninety six dollars earlier this month. You might be thinking, "Gee, I really wish I bought it there." This is an interesting case for something called a risk reversal, and we can look out to July and sell the ninety six puts. You could collect about a dollar for those as of the, today's closing prices, and buy the one o two strike calls also for a dollar. Net net, you're laying out no premium, so you're going to have long exposure above one o two. You'll be long the stock, and below ninety six, you'd be be long. Now notice where it closed today. $100 and 20 cents. So you have upside exposure up 1.8%, 96 on the other hand is down over 4%. So essentially you're going to get that exposure. Now, in fairness, IYR does pay a dividend and they're anticipating a dividend around about 50 cents a share, but the difference that you're seeing here is related to something called skew. Puts tend to trade at a little bit of a premium to calls so that seems to be more pronounced in this specific case. So this is a way where you can get near upside exposure, you'll get long at a slightly lower level. And I think that is a fairly attractive risk-reward dynamic. And again, as I was pointing out, the constituent stocks of IYR are not just office. It's not just malls. And it's not even just residential real estate. They have a, a broad um, bit of exposure in the real estate space. And I think this
5: is kind of a compelling spot to be in it.
2: All right. Thanks for that. Mike, Tony, what's your take on the REITs in this trade?
5: Yeah, I like it. And I think, first of all, the most important thing with respect to the chart is the fact that you're breaking out not only on an absolute basis, but also on that relative basis. That's really a strong thesis for this particular breakout. And then, as Mike said, this is a fairly diversified ETF with a fair amount of sec- sectors with, re- with respect to eats, REITs. You have um, uh, industrials, you have self-storage, you have data centers that have been incredibly strong during the pandemic. And as things start to reopen, you have office streets, you have malls, and you even have student housing that is starting to see some significant uptick here. So when you have all of the things in mind and, and you couple the fact that rates have not risen here above that 155, 160 basis point level that Carter is referring to, that certainly helps this particular segment of the market. And if you look at Mike's trade structure, the the risk reversal, really, uh, I think, great example of how to utilize a risk reversal to take a, a position that's very similar to being long the stock with some mild downside protection down to that 96 level. As he said, he's, I felt that he was pretty, being pretty tactical, that 96 was a recent low. And that 102 gives you just a minimum amount of time decay to the upside if this if we start to see this break out. So a uh, really smart way, in my opinion, to take a capital efficient way uh, to mimic being long the stock as opposed to outright buying the stock or the ETF in this particular case.
2: All right. Up next, a chip rip. How Tony is cashing in on one big bullish bet in the semiconductor space. Plus, got a question? You could tweet us at Options Action. We'll be back right after this.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open, midday, and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. Just last week, Tony got bullish on Nvidia into earnings.
5: This is a stock that has been stuck between 500 and 590 for the last nine months. But we're starting to see some breakouts here, both on an absolute and relative basis above that 590 resistance level. So that is the key that I like to see going into an earnings event. And then when you look at the business itself, Nvidia is really firing on all cylinders. I'm going out to June and I'm selling the 600 560 put spread here, collecting about $15.85 on this $40 wide credit spread. So I'm collecting almost 40% of the width.
2: Well, that trade is solidly in the green. So Tony, what are you doing now?
5: Yeah. So for investors who... uh, Sold this credit spread on Monday, you would have collected about $13 instead of that $15, but you would have been able to buy it back earlier today at about $3. So you were able to make about 76% of the max gain on this particular trade. It's time to take your profits and move on to the next
2: one. All right. Well, just last week, Carter and Mike laid out how to play Costco into earnings.
3: It has been in this perfect, literally perfect, 45-degree angle straight up a beautiful channel, and it's been a 10-bagger. Its low was $40, and essentially it's at 400, versus the S&P since the 09 low, which has been a five-bagger. So, I mean, this is the champion uh, by any measure.
4: I was looking at that earlier today. Those July 385 calls, those were costing about $10.30, and the June 400s, those were about $2.57, so approximately 25% of the premium that I was spending on the longer-dated option that should take care of some of the decay that you'll see coming out of the catalyst of his earnings.
2: Well, since earnings last night, obviously, the stock closed at 378 and changed down by just about 2 percent. So, um, Carter, what do you think of the chart here?
3: Right. So when you're playing for an event and the chart is set up for an event, a bounce off hundred of average or a breakout, the event comes and goes and the chart, the stock doesn't do what you're expecting it to do, then you move on. And so, in this case, I think we just uh, move on.
2: Mike.
4: Yeah. So we all the decay is out of those Junes. The longer dated options, which were ten bucks and change, were about six sixty. So you can close this thing for probably a three dollar per share loss. That's obviously uh, disappointing, but not quite what the stock uh, has suffered. So I agree with Carter. You know, there was that price to earnings issue that we talked about. I think taking, uh, taking the first loss is sometimes the best loss, and we should just move on
0: here.
2: Yeah, yeah. Good review of uh, last week's trades. Time now for the final call. Carter Braxtonworth, why don't you kick it off on this Memorial Day Eve of the weekend?
3: Well, for, for Memorial Day, Constellation Brands, and uh, you can do a little IYR as well.
2: Tony Zhang.
5: I think it's a great time to take a look at TDoc. The stock is down 60%. Time to buy. Buying a call diagonal spread.
2: Mike Coe.
4: Yeah, I also like Constellation Brands. You can buy some of their beverages and buy some of their stock, perhaps. In IYR, risk reversal gives you a favorable risk-reward relationship as you want to make a bullish play on a breakout.
2: All right, well, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Don't forget why we are celebrating on Monday. And don't go anywhere. A special bonus hour of Fast Money is up next.